is an Odyssey original. This is Coronavirus Daily, World on Pause. I'm Charles Feldman from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. And I'm Mike Simpson, CDC, urging parents get the teens vaccinated. Citing a study finds an increase in rates of teens in the hospital with COVID. Nearly a third of the teenagers required intensive care. Five percent ventilation will look into how the disease impacts teens and the importance of getting those shots. California is the latest state to try a vaccine lottery, but will it really improve the vaccination rate? Lots of positive economic news this week shows a recovery from the pandemic could be sooner rather than later. Let's start, though, with teens and COVID. Dr. Nathaniel Beers is a pediatrician at Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C., and author of the American Academy of Pediatrics Guide on Reopening Schools. Doctor, has something changed about the virus that we're seeing more and more young people in the hospital? There's certainly a couple factors that we're seeing in play, right? Certainly, we know that the teenagers, and particularly those under 16, uh, have just been eligible for the vaccine in, the, in, in recent weeks. And so uh, fewer of them have vaccinated, which puts them at higher risk for uh, catching the disease and having complications of COVID. Uh, in addition, uh, at the same time, many communities started relaxing many of the control measures that actually were protective for the population at whole. Uh, and so of those who are unvaccinated are at higher risk. So when we relax the vaccine or the mask standards uh, in communities um, and allow more large-scale activities to return to normal, those who are unvaccinated at higher risk, if they're not continuing uh, to make sure that they are using those uh, masks uh, when they are uh, with other individuals, and particularly uh, when they're with uh, large groups of individuals. And so we have seen some uptick. I think the, we don't have the data yet to better understand if there are variants in play as well, uh, but that will be continued data that we need to understand, to understand the impact of the variants on this population as well. Yeah, I was going to say, when we talk about more teenagers or an uptick, are we saying that these are numbers that are, are higher than they should be, or is it that a certain amount of whatever the population is, even if you're young and healthy, is going to wind up in the hospital with this because that's just how COVID operates. It's, it's going to get to certain people in a pretty bad way. Right. So most people, most young adults, most teenagers are going to have relatively mild symptoms. Uh, but as we increase the numbers of individuals with COVID in those populations, we are going to see upticks in hospitalization rates. That, in addition to the fact that we do know there are some variants out there in the world uh, that have been uh, causing more severe symptoms and had higher hospitalization rates, particularly with younger populations, uh, than we saw last spring or last fall. Vaccines, hesitancy for parents. Do you think that's playing a role, parents getting their kids the shots? Or, or what do people talk to you when, when you approach them about maybe why their, their child hasn't been vaccinated yet? So, I mean, I think that there are a number of components. I think certainly uh, people have a, a greater risk tolerance for uh, getting a vaccine for themselves than they sometimes do for their children. Um, and so uh, some people have been more reluctant to have their children vaccinated than they have been uh, to get themselves vaccinated. And so we do see that in some populations. Um, and there is just a matter of, of getting enough of that population immunized, right, given that we uh, still are in uh, the first month, really, of uh, people under the age of 16 being eligible for the vaccine. Uh, we need some time to get to uh, a significant enough population to start to see the shift 
in infection rates that we saw in older adults to start with, and then the broader adult population that we've seen uh, play out in the United States in recent months and weeks. So that, I guess, fundamentally still goes back to a question that we've been asking all along on this program, whether or not states, including California, are opening up just too quickly. I mean, you've got this vast number of people, younger people, who have not yet been vaccinated, some who are younger, as you know, still can't be if they're under 12, I guess, right? Uh, So are we all sort of jumping up and down with joy that the pandemic is over in this country much too early? For many individuals who've been vaccinated, there are a lot of uh, freedoms that they should be afforded that are safe for them and safe for the broader population. And so the recommendations around uh, making sure that they can uh, not use their masks when they are out in public as well as in public uh, settings indoors uh, are fine. And those recommendations make sense. However, the challenge has been that people have generally taken the approach that everybody can go without their masks. And that has created challenges or uh, be in large scale groups uh, in ways that we would not have tolerated six months ago. And certainly for those unvaccinated individuals continue to be unsafe uh, for them to be in large groups, uh, particularly unmasked, continue to be an issue that we need to make sure that people are diligent about uh, so that we can get individuals vaccinated. And remember that getting vaccinated is about protecting yourself, but it is also about protecting the larger population as a whole. True for young adults and adolescents who may certainly uh, be at lower risk for significant complications, but still are at risk, as we're seeing in the recent data, uh, with uh, increases in hospitalizations. Dr. Nathaniel Beers, pediatrician, Children's National Hospital in Washington, D.C. Doctor, thanks. California held its first vaccine lottery drawing. Fifteen people won $15,000. Next week, 10 people will win $1.5 million each. The goal? to boost vaccination numbers. Do the incentive programs work? Dr. Jeffrey Klausner, epidemiologist, clinical professor, preventative medicine, USC Keck School of Medicine. So Dr. The Big uh, Million Dollar Winner in Ohio, the lottery there, said, yeah, this was what pushed me over the edge. So I guess there's uh, at least one guy that says it works. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what we're seeing in uh, many states now and uh, also in some big businesses like United, when they put out these you know, really sweet incentives, uh, you know, people overcome their either hesitance or their uncertainty and, you know, they get motivated. So while the motivation might not be to protect themselves, protect their family and protect their community, you know, cash is king and motivates people to get vaccinated. I I guess uh, this pandemic never ceases to amaze me. And by that, I mean the behavior of many people in this country. I, I keep reading stories in the newspapers about in other parts of the world, people who are, you know, hiking long distances to get to the nearest place where they can get a COVID vaccine, governments that are trying very, very hard uh, on the open market to buy more vaccines for their own populations that are dying, literally, in some cases, to get it. And yet in this country, we have to what? Give out $50,000 rewards to get vaccinated. 
Well, I mean, remember, we got 70% of the population in California with at least one shot in the arm, you know, already. And there was a mad rush, you know, in uh, end of December and January. There were long lines. People waited for hours, you know, in their cars uh, in other parts of the country. In Florida, they waited out in the rain overnight. So, yeah, but now we're falling behind and, and the vaccination rate has gone down all over the country. Well, I mean, it, but it's the rate of new infections. So, I mean, once people are vaccinated, you don't go backwards. So we're continuing to increase the proportion who are vaccinated. And without a doubt, you know, the people that are left are, you know, either busier, they have higher prior, other priorities, they're harder to get vaccinated. I mean, that's definitely human nature. And what's great about these lotteries, we're taking one of the basic facts of human nature is that people are motivated by money and using that for the public health purposes to protect everyone else out there. Did you notice anything when uh, the numbers were drawn? I think there were representing, uh, you know, gumballs or whatever it is uh, from from each area of the state, except for the Central Valley, which is where the vaccination rate is the lowest. So that's why you didn't have a winner from there. Maybe the odds were better everywhere else. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't didn't really follow exactly what was happening, you know, county by county. But, you know, in other states that have done this and other businesses that have, you know, put up incentives like this, I mean, it does increase uh, people's desire to get vaccinated. And it's what we call behavioral economics. So how do we, you know, motivate people to make a behavioral change that's, you know, for their benefit or the community benefit? There are incentives and we live in an incentive based economy because it's a it's a free economy right we can't mandate you know everyone as they might in some other countries to go and get vaccinated but we can provide incentives and incentives do work but why not you can mandate people wear seat belts well i mean some employers can you know mandate among their employees particularly healthcare workers a lot of legal firms have actually mandated um, but there's a subtle difference actually between mandated and required. So uh, if you mandate that there's really no option to opt out, if you require, you can opt out um, based on your own belief or based on, you know, medical contraindication. So um, we might be approaching though, it's a good point, you know, it's a a place where we need to have more strong employee uh, mandates that in certain settings, you know, employees are working in groups or working where they're you know, in contact with the general public uh, might be required to get vaccinated. Dr. Jeffrey Klausner, epidemiologist, clinical professor of preventative medicine, USC Keck School of Medicine. Coming up after this short break, the economy making a big comeback. The latest unemployment numbers show the economy is getting back on track quickly. The jobless rate fell to 5.8 percent from 6.1, and about 559,000 jobs were added in May, which was higher than April. New analysis found the stimulus checks uh, really helped people out. Inflation still a concern. KYW's Matt Leon with Villanova School of Business professor David Fiorenza says the numbers are encouraging. And also encouraging, April's numbers were revised up by 12,000. So that's a good thing, too. So we're starting to see some nice trends of upward numbers with people who are going back to work. Wages also jumped. Uh, I read average hourly earnings up 2% from this time last year. Uh, I mean, we've talked about worker shortage and people up in the ante, and it looks like maybe we're starting to see some results. 
We are. And as long as we can keep pace with inflation, and this is what the Federal Reserve likes to do, they like to keep inflation in check. Now, we did see a big jump of one month there where the inflation was about 3.7. If we annualize it, if we can keep inflation below 3% and keep wages between 2 and 3% and people continue to keep their health care programs, that's a good thing. We've heard, we've talked a lot about inflation Inflation was a big problem like 40 years ago in in the 70s. Are we kind of dealing with the same thing or is this not your father's inflation that there's concerns about now? This is a great time to compare it now that you've asked that. This is a much different inflation. We have a Federal Reserve who is always constantly learning from the prior uh, recessions, from prior uh, booms in the economy, and they learn from the last recession to try to keep interest rates low so we don't see double digits for mortgages, for car loans, uh, for student loans. And when the only thing that I can say that came out of that double-digit inflation was that if you were 18 years old and you put a thousand dollars away by the time you were 21 that thousand dollars would have been two thousand dollars in a money market that it's good for savers but not good for investors people who are who want to when i say investors i mean people who want to go out and take loans so this is a much different thing that i'm seeing in the year 2020 2021 i'd rather have the low inflation uh, at this point Construction, employment, we talk about jobs. It was real good in the hospitality, as I think we all kind of expected. Uh, Construction employment, though, was down. Uh, Construction jobs fell by 20,000 last month. Given how hot housing is, are we surprised by this? I'm not surprised by this because of the fact that uh, there's some shortages in terms of of lumber and other products. Uh, I knew the hospitality, leisure, tourism was really just going to skyrocket, especially when you go down to the Jersey Shore, the Delaware beaches, and you go north up to the Poconos. Uh, Everything is starting to open up a lot more. People are traveling to New York City, uh, Broadway. People are coming down to our, our nation's capital. They're going all over, which is a good thing. So I think the construction will eventually pick up if the weather can cooperate. What are you seeing overall in the housing market? Well, I'm seeing that I'm seeing the fact that housing prices continue to climb, the current prices that is, and I'm seeing the fact that that um, you're not seeing the the supply of homes. Now, traditionally speaking, people move in the summertime if they want to take their children out of the school system. They want to wait until the school system is over in in late May, mid-June, and then move them to a new school system. I really really do think you're going to see a bump uh, in, in housing sales come July and August. We're starting to see some hard numbers that the stimulus from the American Rescue Plan basically did its job. And once again, we come back to this basic fact Give people money, my friend, they tend to spend it. You're absolutely right, Matt. Even though spending slowed a little bit, people's disposable income slowed a little bit, that's because some people have been taken off the stimulus and are going back to work. The slowdown has not been like dropping off a cliff, which is what a lot of people expected. It's like it's like you're descending from 30,000 feet coming into the Philadelphia International Airport, and that may take longer than five or ten minutes because they're circling around a little bit the airspace. The same thing is happening right now. So uh, there is a slowdown, but not as quickly as a lot of economists thought it would be. 
And it seems like this did the job as we're seeing a lot of the poverty numbers go down. A lot of the the people that this really was targeted to, it it seemed to genuinely help them not just kind of get through the month, but maybe enjoy life a little bit more than just trying to pay all the bills and get to the finish line. Sure, Matt. And the fact that people maybe have not been on vacation since a year, more than a year ago, uh, people have not been able to take even day trips. Uh, I think people are ready. There's that thing that we talked about where the, there's that pent up demand and it is starting to help the, the lower income people, which is good. I mean, the best thing you want to do in, in life is be able to be with family and go out and enjoy yourselves, uh, work for a living. All these things are just very simple, but they're very important to the American working class. I'm very interested. We are about, I would think, about six weeks away from that expanded child tax credit to start hitting people's bank accounts. I think it's supposed to be middle of July. Uh, You know, kind of going along with the stimulus, this would be, you know, kind of an ongoing stimulus here. And we could really see this move the needle, couldn't we? Oh, we could. And that means there's still six weeks left of summer before people go back to schools. And it also means that people will have some extra income. As we just said a few minutes ago, we've it, said it almost every week. Give people some money and they're going to spend it or save it or pay down debt. And that's what's happening. Jersey Shore, we were looking. Everybody had Memorial Day weekend targeted, circled on their calendars. And lo and behold, we had some of the worst weather we've had in months. You almost couldn't write a joke that dark. Uh, But (laughs) that being said, the the shores were jam-packed. Have we started to get any early economic indicators if uh, things went as well as I'm sure business owners uh, and renters down the shore were hoping? Well, this is a good time to bring it up because this weekend should be better weather. And talking to some of the, the borough people, people, the council, the city councils, chamber of commerce, they were pleased with last weekend, even though it was 50 degrees and windy. Some of the restaurant owners were actually, I shouldn't say they were happy it rained, but they didn't have the personnel just yet. They said if it was 90 degrees and sunny, they wouldn't be able to handle all the crowds coming to the outdoor dining establishments. So a lot of people told me that uh, just by having indoor dining, it was a nice trial run. Uh, People are starting to the, who are teenagers and the college students are starting to come and get their jobs now that school is over with. Maybe they didn't get an internship. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they're not going back to summer school. And you're going to see some of that employment spike all along the, the Jersey Shore. Anything you're keeping an eye on here uh, that we all should be looking at over the next couple of weeks? Well, I'm keeping an eye, eye on up the president's budget and his budget address and taking a look at the for the fiscal year 2022. Um, and it's going to be a good budget. I mean, they're going to come to some kind of understanding, the Republicans and Democrats, and meet somewhere in the middle. I believe the president is, is trying to meet more in the middle as opposed to the uh, Republicans and Democrats wanting to be on opposite sides of the spectrum. His, his said. The $7 trillion budget that was proposed, I don't know where somebody got that from because I looked up the budget on the Office of Management and Budget, and it wasn't $7 trillion. What's being proposed is around $6 trillion, and probably what will get passed is around $5 trillion. Is there going to be a deficit? Absolutely. You and I knew there would be a deficit. We thought there would be a deficit for at least two years, if not more, because we are trying to get ourselves out of uh, this horrendous pandemic that killed over 536,000 Americans. Talk has been out there that uh, vitamin D could be a big key to stopping COVID. 
Now, that wasn't based on complete nonsense. Low levels of vitamin D have been tied to higher risks of COVID-19 and some more severe illnesses. But there's a new study that suggests boosting vitamin D levels with supplements probably would not help stop a COVID infection. It found people with higher vitamin D levels did not have a lower risk for coronavirus infection, hospitalization, or severe COVID. The researchers say there's no point to even doing randomized trials testing vitamin D supplementation. This is an Odyssey original. Find us on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher.